Hi, I'm Glenn Harper, CPA and owner of Harper & Company, CPAs Plus, and partner in Sula Consulting. In each episode, my co-host, Julie Smith, Harper & Company's practice manager and partner in Sula Consulting, and I will interview a different guest about their entrepreneurial journey. The podcast features interviews with business owners, a.k.a. entrepreneurs, who bring intriguing and entertaining clarity to the entire entrepreneurial journey, giving others confidence to build their business. Our goal is to provide actionable value to you, the entrepreneur, to help you do business or build a business. Every entrepreneur deserves to enjoy the journey. Learning from others offers valuable insight and inspiration. We want to provide insight on the why, the how, the shortcuts, and the value add that many entrepreneurs wish they would have had identified at the onset of their journey. Sit back and enjoy the journey. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Empowering Entrepreneurs Podcast. This is Glenn Harper. Julie Smith. What's going on, Julie? I don't have anything for today. You look a little bit surly today. What's going on? Oh, man. Better hope we get all that I'm out of the... I'm telling you, you got to work through all that. Well, we've got a special guest today. we got Michael Sue here. He's one of a kind. Michael loves the alphabet business space, which includes CPA, CFO, and CEO nomenclatures. This, this entrepreneur wants entrepreneurs to get financial literacy so they can relax. His passion is teaching people so they can have the same opportunities that he has. He is the founder and CEO of Deep Sky, a company... That's the leading outsourced accounting team that specializes in digital agencies, which in common speak means that he helps entrepreneurs build and operate systems that deliver account- actionable data on a consistent basis. I hope I said that right. And he's also the co-founder of Measure X Hack, which is a platform where entrepreneurs can share their experiences with others. Thanks, Michael, for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm super stoked being here. So that was a great biography. I mean, Glenn could barely get a breath in. So you are a busy person. There's a lot of stuff he's got going on. Yeah, yeah, I enjoy it. I mean, it's my it's my passion. I spend my entire life doing things that I love, and you know, I want to do the same for other people. So you know, I usually try to get into this a little bit by trying to figure out personally a little bit who my guests are and what their story is, and then we get into the entrepreneurial journey and such. And you know, I'm a pretty good stalker on the internet, but I could not find out where you're from. I, I'm guessing Frankfort, Kentucky, but I don't know. Can you tell me, uh, you know, where you're born and raised at? That is a difficult question. Um, I'm actually born and raised in Taiwan, Taipei, really? Taiwan. That's where I'm at right now. Oh wow! Um, but I, I spend most of my I spend most of my youth uh, in LA, Los Angeles. But uh, for the last 10 years, I've been moving about. So I split my time between Vegas, Austin, L.A., Taipei. Yeah. Wow, you're the traveler. <laughs> wow. You don't like to stay in one place for no. a long time, huh? No, no, actually. I, I actually joke uh, the other day um, I was at the airport and then the, the lady there, she goes, oh, I'll see you next week. So <laughs> <laughs> You're that guy, the frequent flyer guy. You know the mm-hmm. airport people more than you know the local people, huh? <laughs> I actually, I actually know the custom people, and I see all my friends in the wrong city. So that's 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 how it works. So is is home technically Leander, Texas, in Austin, or is that where is home technically? Where do you hang your hat up if you're not traveling? Um. So home is, uh, yes, I'm moving back to Leander, Texas. Okay. Yes. Sweet. Well, you know, Texas is a little bit different than L.A., I would imagine, and probably a little bit different than, you know, Taiwan. So, you know, what's uh, how did you get into L.A. versus Taiwan, and how did you spend time there? Was that first school when you when you were going to UC? Yeah, yeah. So, actually, I went to L.A. when I was 10 because oh. of uh, Disneyland. I uh, uh, legitimately thought if I moved to America, I get to live at Disneyland with Mickey. Awesome. 
How'd that turn out? Did you get to meet him at least? I did. I did. I still love Disneyland. I still go. Um, but I didn't get to, I didn't get to live at Disneyland, which I found out apparently you could. Apparently if you have the right connection, you can stay at the castle for one night. And I'm working my way towards that. You're like, gosh, your parents didn't hook you up at that age. You think they'd have done that for you. I'm kidding. Of course. Right. Uh, right. Unfortunately not. So did you, when did you decide to actually move to the States or, um, set up shop here or did you set up shop initially in, in Taiwan? How did you, how did you navigate that? Yeah, actually, uh, I was there since I was 10 because of Disneyland. I came back and bothered my mom about moving to America. And I don't know, you know, I don't know if you guys have kids, but sometimes they tell you if you do a, then I'll yes. do B knowing that you never do a right. And that was my mother. So in Taiwan, they rank us between first place to 55th place in class. And if you're in the top 10, you're a good kid. If you're not in the top 10, you're kind of the loser. I'm never the top 10 kid. I'm like 11, 12, get to 15, and I get a beating, and then I get back to 11. Um, so my mother goes, hey, the next time you take the test and you get into the top 10, I'll let you move to America. And I got 10th place. No more, no less. Just enough. Now, when you say all of everybody moved or just you moved? So my mom is a very clever woman. She sent me out here by myself, 1994, sent me out to LA by myself, um, put me on a plane, and then had a friend pick me up at the airport. And she was thinking that she had moved me to America. And she would call me every day thinking, hey, you know what? Do you miss home? Yeah, do you miss mom, dad? Yeah, you want to come home? No. And she did that for two months. And then finally she decided that she has to figure out something about coming out here and take care of my you know, taking care of their son. So that's how I ended up in America, and I ended up staying there for 30 years. How, how old were so, you at that time when you got when you came over? I was 10. 10, wow. Wow. Can you just imagine? I mean, that's just not something that I can't imagine. Well, I have doing. a 9-year-old. I can't imagine sending her to, quote-unquote, Disney and then checking in. And she, <laughs> Of course she wouldn't want to come home. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Wow, so you had a little bit of adventuresome spirit. So <clears throat> when you're in, when you're in, excuse me, when you're in, um, and LA, then that's where you just, that's where you started your you know college journey, right? Um, and then I, I assume you just you just lived there the whole time. You went to college there, then you decided to jump across to Walsh College, and then ultimately at Harvard. How do you navigate that going from you know literally economics, accounting, and Harvard Business School? How did you decide what you wanted to do? I mean, you, those are three incredibly cool colleges to try to even get into, let alone do all three. I bet you were in the top 10 to get into those. You made the cut, huh? At the no, <laughs> just just barely enough. Always just barely enough. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so I mean, I've always been passionate. I mean, I was tricked really, again, by my mother to get into accounting. Um, she told me that I, I didn't want to go to school. You know, I, I figured I'll be a millionaire by the time I'm 21. If I just drop out of high school and started a business, I wanted to be a business person. I want to be an entrepreneur. And my mother goes, well, if you want to be a business person, you better learn accounting because accounting is a language of business. Well, that was a lie. So, <laughs> but I went out there, you know, I took, I took first year of class and I said, this is not for me. I wanted to quit. And the counselor was like, hey, this is first year. Second year will be better. So I took the second year and they're like, hey, this is the second year. You're going to be upperclassmen next year and it's going to be better. And by the third year, I was like, that's this. I'm out of here. <laughs> so I guess, so I did that. And then, and so, and actually it, it laid the, it laid the seed of the first business, right? Deep Sky, which is an outsourced CFO company. You know, that's what I did. And, um, and then it sort of laid the foundation for everything that I'm doing today, which is financial literacy, because accounting should be the language of business. Unfortunately, 
most accountants don't run it like that. You know, so I've ended up spending my entire life trying to make that a reality for myself and for everyone around me. So. And you know, entrepreneurs, they don't speak the language. And if they just spoke the language, they would learn so much more how to operate their business, but they just never do. It's the darndest thing. Right? It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's crazy because I, I love entrepreneurs and I, 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 think, I think of myself as one. And I always say entrepreneurs are the solutions to the world's problem. Yet so many of us don't get rewarded enough by it. You know, like they, they were great. They were great. They, they went out there and did something and built something because they thought they could do it better. And then they don't fail at the thing that they're doing because they're great at it, but they fail at business and finance because they lack knowledge of that. And they don't have anyone to turn to for help. Nope. Did you, how, what age did you decide that you wanted to be an entrepreneur or think that you had those tendencies? I said, think it's age 10. No, I think that was Disney. And, but the independent streak was definitely at 10, but the, to be an entrepreneur, wouldn't you like, you know what? I don't want to work for the man. I want to do my own side hustle. How, how did you came up with that mindset? You know, I always want, I think in the very beginning, I just wanted to make money. I just wanted to be rich. I wanted to buy nice things, have fast cars. I had the Ferrari 360 on my wall as a poster, mm -hmm. and that's what I wanted. And um, I think the very first business was, it was selling candy in high school. It was, I was looking around at all these clubs and they're selling candies for fundraising. And I go, I can do that. So I went to Costco, bought a bunch of candies and started selling them. And I didn't want to do the work because I was lazy. So I hired my friend to sell it for me. And then the there. and then the school goes, hey, you're not a club, you can't do this. So I started a club. You know, it's funny is I remember selling the candy, and I was terrified to sell it, so I just ate it all and used my own money to buy it. I didn't even sell it to other people because I just loved eating the, the rice covered chocolate candy bars. You know the ones I'm talking. About? They were so good, but it, it's weird. So yeah, yeah, you you recognize right away that to 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 be successful in the entrepreneurial world, you have other people help you do that. And have that team behind you, right? And and that's at what age you think that was? Ten and a half. He made it to eleven <laughs> by that point. Not, not that, not quite that young. Eleven, quite, eleven and a half. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> did you have, um, you know, we always like to, you know, did you have like mentors or somebody that tickled you and said, "Hey, I'm an entrepreneur. Watch how I roll," or was it just something that you found on your own? Because again, the, part of the entrepreneur journey is recognizing that probably most everybody, but not necessarily, but a lot of people have this inside of them. They just don't know how to tap into it, right? They, they just never got the opportunity or the confidence to make that decision. And so we just like sharing with our guests, what was that thing that gave you the curiosity to say, oh, I can go do that other than just wanting to make money. There had to be something else, right? I think in the beginning, it was just wanting to make money. It was just, I, I don't know, I've just been fascinated with nice things ever since I was a kid. That certainly changed, right? Um, I, I, bought my, I bought my first car when I was 20 in college, you know, just starting with selling candies and then selling computers. Um, and I didn't have an allowance, so I had to make money. You know, and um, but then later on, I got mentors along the way that were able to help me for sure. I mean, I attribute all of my accomplishments through the teachers and mentors and the peers around me, you know, and I think if you want to build a real business, you're going to have to have that. Otherwise it, it will be, otherwise the journey is just so hard. Did you ever have a quote real job where you worked for the, a wage or were you always selling and in, in, in eating what you killed? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. I was, a, I was an accountant at a mid-sized firm after graduate school because I needed the hours to get my CPA license. 
And then um, I did my hours. I took the test. I passed it. I got my CPA license. My mother happened to be in America at that time. And I took the thing and I opened it up and I go, look, mom, CPA, I'm quitting tomorrow. <laughs> so <laughs> they all lied to you about this accounting and CPA thing. Lies everywhere. Your mom would be a wonderful <laughs> guest on here, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She would. She would. She would love it. I mean, she's just she's an incredible incredible woman and she planted a lot of the seeds you know that that helped me get to where i am today i think she so. sounds like one of the people that were um not only influential but she didn't say forced you but kind of tricked you or enabled you to go find she your way she has very good marketing skills yes. i have a feeling it, it's really funny my father was an entrepreneur and um and my mother just took care of me she was incredible at that like i think and um but but it just uh, none of them wanted me to be an entrepreneur. In fact, even now, um, you know, she would see me work and she's like, "Why do you do this? Why don't you like just go get a job? Like, what's wrong with you? Why are you always so stressed?" And I said, "This is my life. I can't. I, I I would I would I would die if I would do work for the for the man. I think I would be so stressed." Isn't that the weirdest thing? An entrepreneur. We just look at things through a different lens. We love waking up negative. We like the fact that we got to make it that day and everything's an opportunity. It's really not, uh, the stress is different because it's the stress that we want to do well. It's not the stress that we got to do something for somebody else. We're doing it for ourselves. People just, it's really, it's a lonely place because people just, we, nobody understands how we think it's the, it is one of the most still to this day. I just had a, a prospect in the office today. We just laughed and laughed because Nobody can understand where this guy's coming from. I'm like, I got you. I know where you're at. Where you're at. And it's just, again, it's the, there's just not the community for that. And I think that's one of your businesses to have the community where people can share those ideas, right? Is that is that what the, the purpose of the Measure X hack is? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Measure and X, Measure and Hack um, is, is really my passion project. And it's, like, like I said, I started the business 14 years ago, and without teachers and mentors, I would not be anywhere close to where I am today. And everybody in the entrepreneurial world, sure, not everybody is you know, perfect, but a lot of people are amazing. They're super generous, super helpful, you know, and, and teaching and sharing. And I believe if we all just made each other that much better, we'll make the world a better place. Again, going back to entrepreneurs are the solutions to the world's problems. You know, and everybody's got something to add. Everybody's got some value to add. And if we can do our part, the world will be a better place. So what made you start that? Like, was there something that you, that happened um, to you personally that you said, you know what, this is how I want to give back to the community or walk me through that? Yeah. So, so ever since I was a kid, my dream was to build a school for kids that don't like school because I, I hated school, right? I did the bare minimum and I thought a lot of the, but at the same time, I have this respect for teachers because I believe education is how you get out. Um, my mother's family are extremely poor in Taiwan, like extremely poor. They, they don't, they don't, you don't go to school. Um, sometimes the kids get sold off because they can't afford it. And, um, and so, um, so I wanted to build a, I wanted to build a school that, that um I, I, and someone had told her that the only way to get out of poverty is through education is to upskill yourself is to level up your thinking level up your mindset levels your ability to earn and create value so it had always been you know my thing as well with education growing up you know i, I had 
one great teacher. I had a few great teachers, but one specifically, Mr. Lauber from 11th grade. And, you know, he told me, hey, you got to you got to win the game before you can before you can uh, try to change it. Because, you know, freshman year, sophomore year, I hated school. I, you know, was part of a game and I didn't want to, you know, I was doing bad. My GPA was like 1.6 or something like that. And I say, oh, school is not for me. School sucks, so on and so forth. I'm going to drop out and I'm going to do my thing. And Mr. Lubbard looked at me and go, look, if you don't play the game, you don't have the ability to win. You don't have the ability to, in fact, to make changes. You don't have that power. People are just going to think you're a dropout and you know you, you have no speaking authority. But if you win the game and come around and say, hey, you know what? We, I think we need to have change in our education system, then you have that power. Yeah, I think if... You can't change the club unless you get in the club. You got to change it from the inside out. It can't be changed from the. It's impossible. I, I'm excited. You're in a gang. That's cool. Um, how does how does that happen? And how do you get in? And how do you get out? Was there an initiation thing? I'm I'm intrigued by that because, again, that's what a lot of young adolescents, especially young men, they need to feel part of something, right? And 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 have us uh, and have something bigger than them to work toward. And it's probably hard, it's probably easy to get in, very fulfilling, but then it's like at some point you knew that wasn't for you and you had to get out, but then now you are on your own again, right? And so that had to be a weird part in your life, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, it's it's super interesting, right? I mean, it's that's what you said, that sense of belonging. And young men, a lot, even, I think anybody, we're, we're communal animals. We want to be a part of something, we want to be a part of a group, you know, and Fortunately, unfortunately, that was available to me during that time, so I did. Fortunately for me, um, I actually had a really good, you know, we call them dialogue or bosses, right? And he actually taught me a lot. He taught me, you know, to be good at whatever it is that you want to do. If you want to go to school, be good at it. If you want to be a gangster, be the baddest gangster that is, that is out there. And, and, and he, he also at the same time protected me. I think, um, a lot, you know, he said, look, you got a, you got a thing going for you, you know, like, sure. We're a family. We call each other brothers and, you know, we get into fights here and there, but there's something beyond high school and beyond just being in this community. So he really shielded me from a lot of the, I guess the, what could have gone wrong. I mean, that, that is an amazing thing that somebody was in that realm knew that that's not a long-term solution, probably saw some potential in you and kind of did a little mentoring protection thing to help. This is a temporary place and then push you on to the other way. I mean, that, that was a solid, that just doesn't happen very often. You, we were very fortunate with that. Absolutely. And that's why, that's why I go back and saying, you know, I'm, I'm consistently lucky or having teachers and mentors and coaches around me, people who are just, you know, who have walked the path and who are extremely generous in giving me their knowledge and their time. I'm stuck in this uh, group. It's the 10 Key Anonymous, and I just can't get out of it. And uh, they got me sucked in, and I'm just, you know, w- with the tape, without the tape. It's it's weird. I that's Sounds like co- he gave up his yeah. 10 Key yeah. a long time ago when he got his, his little letter and he told his mom, I'm done. It was hard to get in. It's really hard to get out. I mean, I just I just love it. So you started this CFO company and, you know, obviously you, you know, you, did you start that after you got your CPA license then once you kind of were able to get that and get that underway? I quit, uh, I quit my firm and then I, um, 
started out, in the beginning, it's really just an outsourced bookkeeping company because I, I had no business being a CFO. I was 25 years old. I didn't, I don't know what I'm talking about, you know, but I learned very quickly that as a consultant, the best part is you're learning at a rapid speed. You go to your first client, you learn from that, you Google everything that you, you talked about, but you don't understand at night. And then you take that to the second client. So I was learning at a rapid speed and I just had a thirst for learning. And again, being super lucky, um, even when I went to grad school, um, I I was uh, I had a classmate, and I was like, "Hey, what do you do, Joe?" And he goes, "Oh, I'm a controller at a company." And just out of the blue, I go, "Oh, you're a controller. You can give me a job, right?" And he goes, "Do you want a job?" So I ended up working for him. And when I was there, again, just having these incredible teachers that allowed me to ask questions, and I was just curious. Every bill that came through, I wanted to know where it came from, what did it do? You know, I saw the CEO was part of YPO and I wanted to know what that was and how do you get into that? So it was just, uh, and then and then slowly we we become an outsourced CFO company by just learning other crap, learning things that is beyond, you know, the tank that is beyond that that's infinite. Yeah, I think the the takeaway for our listeners, if you're an entrepreneur, is, is that, you're seeing a pattern here, and that pattern is if you're an entrepreneur, you, if you don't have an insatiable appetite for knowledge to try to learn something new, unique, that you can bring to market, if you don't continue on that path of trying to quest for that, it's going to be very hard to be successful and to even make a difference because you have to be curious and want to learn something. And like I said, you're just like, that's all you ever did is just quest for knowledge. It, and most entrepreneurs, right, they quest for it for a time till they learn their skill set and what they do, but then they never do the next step to do the next thing, right? And I wonder why that is. I mean, it's just everything is moving at such a rapid speed, right? With with AI nowadays, with, you know, blockchain two years ago, you know, sure, call them flavor of the month and flavor of the year, but they keep pressing the society forward. And as we're getting more and more, um, information and industry things are just rapidly changing. Um, I'm actually I'm actually at one of our restaurants out here in Taiwan, and downstairs we had a club going. There's ten entrepreneurs downstairs right now. There are VCs, there are you know there are uh, entrepreneurs, there are founders, and everybody coming from different industry, from different background, and from different countries. Their thought process is extremely different, and that's. And sometimes you sit at this table and then you hear this one guy and that's something that's normal for him. And you take back to your business. That's how you can leap him down the head closer to where you want to go. Because, you know, everybody, someone else have already walked your path. Your job is to find them. And most of the time, if they're truly successful, they're so generous and willing to help. Michael, I, I want to come to your fight club that you got downstairs. I want to come and see what that's all about. That sounds like a hoot, right? Yeah, if you if you guys are ever out, you know, in Asia this way, I always say this, and I always invite people. Um, I think Donnie was the one that introduced this, yeah. and you know, as I I love every time I go to a city, I have no shame inviting myself to all the parties. And every time people come to my city, I always say, Hey, look, if you're in Vegas, if you're in Austin, if you're in LA, if you're in Taiwan, if you're in Taipei, hit me up, and I'll be there because that's what's about. And I think that's the exciting thing about entrepreneurship and network and friends. I mean. You know, I, I, I listened to Keith Ferrazzi's speech. This was like, it's got to be 12, 13 years ago. And Keith Ferrazzi on the stage, and he goes, people say your network is your network. And I say your network is your life. And that just always stuck with me. It's always, I always say it's not who you know, it's who knows you, right? And that's what 
is the difference because if you're not out there expanding your network, you're just you're stuck where you're at and you'll never get anywhere else. Do you, you the one of the cool questions as an entrepreneur as you know, there's and again, this is a tough one for you because you figured it out at age ten. But um, you know, there's a there's the point of being, hey, I'm gonna quit my job or start, I'm going to do business, I'm gonna do a task, bring something to market, and I'm gonna do everything for that. And then at some point that becomes a job, right? And there's nothing wrong with that, right? A lot of people do that, it's fine. But a true entrepreneur that wants to build something bigger than them wants to convert to building a business, right? And that's when you employ others and build systems, processes, right? Obviously, you did that when you're selling the candy bars, but at what point in your career when you got out of school and you're doing your thing, did you say, okay, I'm doing this thing, you know, you joined that that other company, the bookkeeping company, but then when you decided to do your other thing, how, how did you decide, when did you decide that it's not just you, it's got to be other people involved and you got to build a business and build something bigger than you? How did you come to that fruition that that's what you have to do? I think super early on, right? So I started the business 14 years ago, so that's 2009. And, um, and I think by 2010, 2011, I was heading up conference, my first conference, um, a 500 conference out in DC, and then my first mentor, Rich Haig. And him and I just sat there. Him and I just sat there, and we drank vodka sodas till five in the morning. And it was the most knowledge I have ever picked up in any of the schooling that I've ever done. You know, and he would just seem extremely generous in sharing his knowledge. And, you know, he had a fire alarm company at that time doing about $25 million. And, and he just he just shared with me. He was like, look, you, 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 Teamwork makes the dream work. You know, it's gotta be about your team. It's gotta be about the people. It's gotta be, there are people who are willing to give up at least 40 hours of their life every single week to build your dreams for you, you know? And and, and you have to figure out how to inspire those people. You have to figure out how to give them the opportunity for them to deliver the value that they're here to do in this world. And so it's extremely early on. But then again, it's, I don't think it's ever a switch, right? Like you learn these things that like you know you're supposed to do it, mm-hmm. but there's just consistent challenges and problems that you have to go through over the years. Wow. I, I like how you explain that because that really it's the, the switch kind of happens when it's, you realize it's not about you anymore. It's about your company. It's about the people. It's about the clients. It's the idea of the opportunity provided and once you realize that it's bigger than you, you get out of your own way and let somebody do what needs to be done with that vision and support them. I mean, that's the, that's so listeners, please take that to heart. When I really like teamwork makes the dream work. That is a uh, rule in my house, raising two girls is, and they will say that in public, like, okay, teamwork makes the dream work. Right. And I'm like, yes. Like, <laughs> so I, I, I love, love that. So, you know, a lot of times, um, entrepreneurs will will not make the jump to be one because they think, oh my God, it's so much work. I don't think I look at it as work. I don't think you look at it as work. I think it's fun, right? So how do you get somebody to switch that lens from, oh my God, it's gonna be so hard and so much work to like open up and just say, ah, and take a big hug and just go for it. Like, how do you get people to motivate to that? What do you think is the, is the key to that? So I'm, I'm a little bit split on that. Um, so I, I'll, I'll do two answers to that. Number one, I, I 
I don't believe in convincing entrepreneurs or convincing people to become an entrepreneur because I think entrepreneurship is super hard. If you are not born into it, if you don't just feel that desire to wanting to go for it, don't do it. And, and we love to say this um, at Measure and Hack. We said, people go, Michael, what is Measure and Hack? Is it, is it a motivational company? I said, no, I don't want to motivate anybody. I said, if you're sitting on the couch, stay there because it looks super comfortable, right? Like you don't want to be doing what we want to do. But if you're feeling compelled or you're feeling so unhappy sitting on the couch, jump. And we're here to catch you. We're here mm -hmm. to support you. And you'll you'll find this vast network of people that are just super willing, you know, to 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 be helpful for that. So, so I'm a little bit torn between the two. It's like, hey, if you if this is not 100% for you, don't do it. But then if you feel compelled, and, and I'll use the story of just me being super miserable. And I was working at a firm, I was an auditor, and um, I was doing a quarterly review. And I walked into this controller's office, Brandy, and I can remember, I remember all these people's names wrong through my life. And I just asked for some requests and whatever. And then I decided and I said, okay, cool. Thank you. And I asked, was walking now. She stopped me and she goes, are you okay? And I go, yeah, what do you mean? She's like, are you okay? And I go, yeah. And she goes, well, you seem like you're a little off or you're unhappy or something. And I go, wow. And, and, and I, and I thought this person sees me four times a year. And if she can pick up how unhappy I am, there's something wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and it was really funny. I actually walked into, I finished that, I finished that review and I walked into my partner's office and uh, his name is Scott. And I go, Hey Scott, can I close the door? And he goes, uh Oh no. And I go, and I sat down and goes, what? yeah. And he goes, what's up? And this is my opening. I go, I don't think I like accounting. And he goes, what do you want me to do about that? <laughs> <laughs> So, and then, and then we had a talk, we had like a 20 minute talk. And then I go, yeah, I think I'm going to quit. And he goes, are you sure? And I'm such a wuss, right? I go, you know what? Can I think about it? <laughs> so I thought about it over the weekend and I went in again on Monday to quit. But again, just again, these people are just so incredible. Even my partner, even after I left, I mean, my first gig was came from my old firm. You know, one of the partner was like, Hey, you know what? We don't do this. It's too small. But Michael just went out on his own and, you know, this was the first gig. So again, this network, I keep going back to this network of people that are just generous. And so I, I think on that, the, the prior question is, you know, some entrepreneurs just go off the high dive cannonball and go in and other people slowly put their toe in and walk a little bit and slow. And I, and I think, you know, that encouragement that's out there for people that can't make the instant snap decision, jump off the board, the ones that are like, well, I'm not sure. And I have these stigmatisms about this and preconceived notions about that. You know, that's the encouragement to say, you know, to try to encourage them to do it. They, they want to get in, they, but it's so cold and it's, you know, it's not comfortable, but they really, really are drawn to it. Cause on the other side, there's this big ice cream cone and they really want to get their ice cream. But I, I mean, I get the whole, thing and and that's the the hard part is there's two different tracks to be an entrepreneur right you're there you either jump in or you kind of slowly go in and neither one's better or worse but it's how do you encourage people in the community which i think your your firm does is to let them know that you don't have to be by yourself 10 years ago you were by yourself 
there was no support community, right? 15 years, you were you're on an island. Today, that's just not the case. So I guess what I'm saying is there's hope for people out there that want to do this thing, and maybe they're comfortable, maybe they're not, maybe they want to do it quick or slow, but there are resources, so don't just make up your mind and, and say, I'm out, I can't do this. Explore, be curious, and you'll, you'll find the way, you'll find the path, if that's where your destiny is. You don't ever know until you try. And I think what you're saying, and I, I mean, I loved your analogy of sitting on the nice warm couch, right? Because it, it's so comfortable. But I think what you're saying is you can't provide the motivation to do that. You can only help with the momentum and keep mm-hmm. pushing people forward. And I think that's a really great analogy of, of the couch and what that looks like because everybody can visualize that. You're absolutely right that there's no right or wrong way to do it. I'm the type of guy that wants to just burn everything down and quit tomorrow and do this thing. But we should never go in business together then. There's a smarter way. <laughs> like there, there's, there's a smarter way to do it, right? Like if you can keep your day job during the day and then go study and go prepare and build your business at night. There's there's 168 hours in a week and you take away 40 hours and you take away you know your sleep. You have 72 hours to build another thing. You know, and it's and I always talk about this, you know, how you spend your time that's a great equalizer it doesn't matter if today you're elon musk or jeff bezos or you know or michael sue like you have 168 hours that was the one equalizer where you can go out and build something and you can choose to jump off the couch or you can choose to do it 40 hours during the day for someone else and then 40 hours at night for yourself well you know it's weird you know like on the couch, got some buttered popcorn with some salt on it. It's comfy. You got a good TV show on. You're swiping through your Instagram. You know, it's hard to get motivated to go do something like because it. You have to leave your comfort space. And like you, you know, like you said, I think it's that was a great analogy. It's 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 not about motivating somebody. It's helping them create that momentum. Yeah, that's the deal. Do you have a? Uh, it's about supporting the people who has already jumped. Correct. And, you know, they don't, might not need a lifeline. They just need a little, you know, little technique of how to get through it all. Do you have a, um, you know, I always think, you know, when you're in business doing whatever it is your skill set is, some people fantasize over like, man, if I could just get that person as a client, it would be, man, that would be the apex of my career. Do you have anything like that where you're like, man, if I could just get that group or that company, that person, do you have one of those? And you can't say us because that doesn't count. I used to. I used to. No, I, I, I used to. I used to. And I stopped believing in that because, you know, it was, it was, it was, oh, if I can get on the Inc. 5000 list, like I would have made it. And then it was, it was, if I could get on the Inc. 500 list. And it was, if I could make a million dollars. And then it was, if I could profit a million dollars. And then it was, if I just meet this guy or be in front of this conference. And it was never that. It's never that. You know, it's that progress. And then one day, just like what we talked about earlier, it's never the switch. You know, you have these little wins, these consistencies. Mm-hmm. And then one day you wake up and you, and it looks like overnight success, but everybody who have the, you know, I love to say this success happened overnight, not overnight. Oh, good one. Right? And that's, that's, that's what it is. So, we this is a question we like to ask. If you've listened to any of the podcasts, you know what's coming. But what is your superpower? I'm a I'm a data geek. Um, I can I can 
and that's the whole premise of Measure and Hack, right? We say we want to help, we want to help, on, we want to free entrepreneurs to live life using systems and data. We want to help them achieve more work less so they can live life. Um, you guys already heard about the 168 hours, right? Um, I've distilled my life down into really nine quadrants and then 168 hours. And I have, you know, a framework that helped me plan all of that. I have data going back 10 years of my life, back to 2013. On every single day, I know exactly what I spend my time on and why or why not that I'm not hitting my metrics. So I, I've met a few. I used to thought I was the only weirdo, but I've met a few other weirdos along the way. <laughs> oh, we're all psychos. It's great. Wow, that that's incredible. I have no idea what I was doing in 2013, but... <laughs> I don't know what I did yesterday. Um, so what's really cool about that is that you, uh, we're really appreciative that you have your day planned out like that and you were gracious enough to be on our podcast. So we thank you for that because that's kind of cool. Yeah, right? we got into one of the quadrants. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> so thank you. No, I, absolutely, absolutely. You guys are doing incredible stuff. I mean, I listened to you guys' podcast and I, I was so excited that we were able to make this happen because you guys are empowering entrepreneurs. You guys are helping them, motivating them, teaching them. I mean, you guys are doing exactly what I'm trying to do. And you guys have already been there, done that. You, know? you gave us lots of cool nuggets. Do you have, what is the biggest fear that you had to overcome in your journey that was just, oh my gosh, this is paralyzing, this is terrible. And once you overcame it, you were like, what an idiot, that was so easy. Like, do you have one of those things or many of those things? I don't, I don't think I have one where I'm like, that was so easy. I think my biggest fear is my insecurity of failing. You know, my life goal is to be happy and make sure those who I love are happy. And for me to be failing that it's, it's the most, it's, 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 it's just the fear is as great as death. And, and it's really interesting. One of my friends told me this, he goes, he goes, Entrepreneurs are, are weird. We, we have two things. We have this. We have this insecurity, this fear of failure, and this fear of not being enough, which we're desperately trying to run away from. And then we have this. And then we have this. At the same time, in the same token, in the same breath, we have this ego, this justification, like I deserve it. I deserve to be awesome, and I deserve to be great and rich and awesome, and which we're running towards. And that's what makes us. I guess weirdos. <laughs> Literally every day I got to outrun the tiger that's chasing me because he's trying to get me. Right. And, and that, that motivates, I guess me and probably most entrepreneurs in that analogy that I cannot let that catch me. So I got to be over here ahead of that. And then as I'm going towards something, then that, that, um, there's no amount of financial or those things. That isn't the goal, right? The goal is to make a difference and to achieve that Zen or inner inner thing that you want to to find your purpose, or whatever. But those all the other things come along with it, right? That's just part of it. But you know, going towards something is it's a lot more. Um, you know, I just got to be a couple steps ahead of this guy behind me, and I'll be okay. But going that way, that's a way more. That's a safer place. But it, I can never stop there. And again, like entrepreneurs, we are just we are just whacked in the head. It's the craziest thing. But you know, we function very well in that environment. What is your end game? So this is very interesting. Um, this is brand new. Uh, 
I don't have kids. I don't plan on having kids. Um, so I always thought my whole thing is, you know, work hard, play hard, you know, live fast, die young, as late as possible. That was my whole mentality. Um, it was about being happy. But then I went to Japan about two months ago and uh, I was doing these, I went around and met all these entrepreneurs and watched their businesses. And in Japan, they have this very interesting culture where they have businesses that are passed down generations after generations for four, fifth, sixth, seventh generation. And I went to this sake plant um, and it was a fifth generation owner. They have been around for 131 years. And I, and I was just thinking, what's it like to build something that will outlive you? You know, originally, I think I'm just, I'm going to build, I, I say this, measure and have education is a passion project. I'm going to build it for my entire life. For the rest of my life, that's what I'm going to do. Um, but now I want to build measure and have beyond my life. You know, wouldn't it be so cool if I can see a third generation CEO to measure and have? You know, our, our mission is to free 1 billion entrepreneurs to live live using systems and data. That's a big goal. That's a tall order. If I cannot fulfill it, maybe measure impact and in a hundred years. That's uh, Isn't that the cr craziest thing when, when it's about the legacy more than anything, right? Because you did all this hard work and you've got the shortcut, you built the thing. Well, then now what? Well, how cool would it be is to and help somebody else achieve that goal or take over and be be impactful. And I think what Julie's trying to say is, what's the trick question answer? Well, there is no end game for you. <laughs> Never. The end game happens when, when I get called back to wherever I came from. <laughs> Got you. I, I want to do one more question, okay. if I may, because this one is, is, again, I just, this is one of my favorite ones. So do you have any, um, you know, n there's no really like, can't go back and change the past. You learn from all those things. But do you have any regrets or like a son of a biscuit moment that if you do it again, what would you have changed because it would have been the shortcut, the outcome would have happened better, it would have happened quicker, it would have been more impactful. When you look back, you, you can't change it today, but if you could go back and go, man, at that point in time, if I'd have chose A versus B or did C versus D or put that extra hour in, I could have had this, not in a sense of, Oh, that's, I feel bad about it. Just like, wow, that would have been a good choice, but I didn't know it at the time. Do you have any of those type of things? You probably have a hundred, but. Yeah, I definitely, it's really funny. Usually when people ask me, do you have regrets? I, I gave the original answer that you gave, right? Like, oh, there's no regret. You just right. learn. But if you put it like that and you take that answer away, then there's plenty. There, there's so much, just things that I wish I knew better. It's very funny. Um, you t we talked about jumping off the couch and then just jumping with both feet. Maybe I would have, maybe I should have learned on someone else's dollar, right? Maybe I should have had a day job and then took it slow. It took six months, take six months. It took me six months and taking a year. Um, another lesson that I learned uh, the second time around, and we didn't have a chance to talk about this, but in 13, I, it was the first time that I sold my business and, um, and it wasn't a, it wasn't a glamorous sale. It was a fire sale. It was because I had to come back to Taiwan and take care of my dying father. Um, so I ended up doing that and I came back and I became miserable. I became depressed because in America, I had everything going for me. The business was about to make money. I thought the first time I sold my business, it would have been, you know, champagne falling from the sky. And it was none of that. I barely 
had any cash. It was, it, I had enough cash to last me two years to take care of my father. Um, so I did that. And then in 2015, after my father passed away, I restarted a business, restarted Deep Sky. Let's call it Deep Sky 2.0. And I just became way more than, at that point, I was no longer driven by money. You know, at that point, I just wanted to, that's why we said, achieve more, work less, live life. You know, I watched my father and it's really funny. A lot of people have these experiences, but we don't really feel it until we experience it, until we walk through it. That was the moment that I realized nothing in the world matter except for experiences and the experiences that you, the memories that you create with your loved ones, you know? And I have this, I have this uh, bracelet that I made, and I'm here. You guys probably can't read it, but it says, "Remember, you will die." You know, and that reminds me every day. And you just go out there, whatever it is that you want to do, you do it. I mean, how often do we say, "Hey, see you later," and you see them never, right? And we have one destination, all of us, and that is death. And that puts clarity in a lot of things. And I said, you know. Whatever you want. Very sage advice, and it goes back to the whole thing that there really is no wrong answer. Everything's going to work out okay. There, unless you know somebody dies, it's all going to work out at the end. So take the chance, taste the nectar, go do the thing. What's the worst that can happen? Ah, you learn from it, pick up your boots, and go and do it again, and for the next day. That's and 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 don't fear that failure. Don't feel you should be fear what happens if you don't make a decision and go for it? That's the fear that you should be most feared about, in in my opinion. So everything you want is on the other side of fear, right? It's everything, everything. Oh, the crunch coat on the ice cream cone, all that stuff, yes. Um, so, Michael, really appreciate you being on the show today. Um, we'll, do you want to give a little a plug on your businesses and people want to look you up and maybe they need what, uh, what you might be purveying there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on social media. Uh, my passion project is Measure and Hack. And we talked about it at the end. It's actually spelled with an X. Um, stands for collaboration. And um, yeah, that's that's everything that we're building today. Our goal is to, again, free 1 billion entrepreneurs to live life using systems and data. So if you're an entrepreneur, you know, you're my job. And if you're one of those people that are helping entrepreneurs to do that, then you know, let me help you help them. Well, really appreciate you. And I, I don't know what time it is in Taiwan, but it, it can't be, it's got to be midnight, right? I don't even know. Wow. It's, about, it's almost midnight. Yes. 1143. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Thank God you're doing the Red Bull. Um, but uh, yeah, you got to get on the fight club now down below and go deal with all that. That should be a hoot down in the downstairs. So again, appreciate you. And uh, thanks again for being on the show. Yes. Thank you. This is Glenn Harper. Another awesome addition. Take care, Julie. At Harper & Company CPA Plus, we just don't care about the numbers. We care about helping you tap into the greatness of your entrepreneurial journey. You deserve a partner who has helped hundreds of businesses go from paying the bills to building the business and lifestyle of their dreams. Go to our website and download our free guide entitled Entrepreneurial Success Formula, How to Avoid Managing Your Business from Your Bank Account. The link is in this episode's show notes.